Everything is lost in the singularity of thought. I just never knew where I was most of the time. I mean, I'm not building a monument to Michael Nesmith with my life. Yeah, well, that could have been your face. Where's That Sound Coming From podcast presents Questions But No Answers, a series that aims to celebrate and preserve the musical legacy of Michael Nesmith. This is Episode Zero, Introduction and Statement of Purpose. <laughs> it was all just, you know, about me. Hello, and welcome to a new sub-series of the Where's That Sound Coming From podcast that I'm calling Questions But No Answers. I'm your host, Brian Marchese. The subject of this series is the musical legacy of the late, great, sorely missed Michael Nesmith, whom I consider to be one of the most underappreciated and misunderstood creative giants of his time. And while his creativity took shape in several forms, this podcast is about his musical output, plain and simple. As more and more of his contemporaries join Nez in the afterlife, and as the music history books decide whose work mattered, I fear that Nez will somehow not get his due. I mean, look no further than his obituary in the New York Times, the headline of which described him as The Quiet Monkey, as if his career began and ended in 1967. Maybe it's not my place to worry about such things, so let's unload such weighty notions and simply say that I aim to celebrate 50 years of his music. No analysis of his videos, books, or spiritual beliefs, though I can't guarantee that some discussions won't rub up against those subjects. While the episodes will be information-heavy and might get a little academic, listening to this podcast won't require a degree in Nesmith, nor espouse any sort of exclusivity. I seek to celebrate, analyze, compare and contrast, whimsically muse, and above all, highlight some of the most soul-enriching, or as that enriching, haha, and mind-expanding music that I know of, that I hope will, when all is said and done, be recognized as some of the most innovative and original, not to mention enjoyable, music created in the rock and roll era. As I write this, I only have a basic plan, which I'll share with you now, and which I can't guarantee I'll stick to, though I'll try my best. Each episode of Questions But No Answers will feature one song and will go chronologically, beginning with the 1965 single, How Can You Kiss Me? and ending 60-something episodes later with 2016's not quite officially released, The Dance of Mother and Child. The episodes in between will likewise feature songs that he wrote during his times with the Monkees, then the first and second national bands, then as a solo artist. The podcast will probably be uh, divided into seasons um, according to those eras. The featured songs will be chosen by me for reasons made known within the episodes. There might be curious choices and omissions, but they reflect my taste and almost all musical areas that Nez dabbled in will be represented. Yeah, I said almost. Fans of his new age and ambient projects might be disappointed, and I apologize for that. I know those works meant a lot to him, but I just don't have much to say about them. Sprinkled among Nez's compositions will be some exceptional covers that he did, and he did have impeccable taste in covers. In fact, I'm not ashamed to admit that it was primarily through Nez's adaptations that I was driven years ago to explore and quickly become a huge fan of the likes of such disparate artists as Cole Porter 
Antonio Carlos Jobim, and George Jones. And indeed, those three artists' influence can be heard in Nez's own songwriting throughout his career. Little side note. Back in 2013, the original concept of the Where's That Sound Coming From podcast was inspired by my realization that both Nez and the Grateful Dead had provided me with an excellent course in 20th century popular music writers and performers, thanks to their choices of covers. Yes, I just mentioned the Grateful Dead, and I'm sure I'll refer to them again, just as I'll probably refer to, say, Gene Clark, Neil Young, or Graham Parsons in relation to Nez's music. While post-Monkey's Michael Nesmith, for various reasons, never belonged to a popular scene or posse of artists the way, say, the Eagles, Jackson Brown, and Linda Ronstadt all ran with the same crowd, he was in fact a recording artist operating in the same industry at the same point in history, based in the same city, and played with a lot of the same people, despite his album selling a small fraction of what those megastars sold. And so of course I'll talk about cats like James Burton, Al Perkins, Glendy Harden, etc. After all, connecting dots is what I love. Each episode will, when applicable, also play bits of notable alternate versions, live versions, and cover versions of whatever the featured song is. I'll discuss cold, hard facts like recording dates and personnel, information for which I will undoubtedly, repeatedly give credit to the amazing Andrew Sandoval. We also have Andrew to thank for most of the outtakes and alternate mixes, etc. that we'll hear. And then I'll most likely get into some lyrical or compositional analysis. Like, ever notice how often Nez used the concept of light versus dark in his lyrics? What about other recurring words like fear and home? We'll explore that kind of stuff. In jotting down preliminary notes, I've had to stop myself when I start getting into the non-creative parts of Nez's life. I want to avoid that. Things might come up, but probably won't be explored in any depth. He was a complex and polarizing personality, and I strongly suggest that you read his memoir, Infinite Tuesday. Or even better, listen to Nez himself on the audiobook, because he is a wonderful teller of his own story, and in the book, he's quite open about his failures and weaknesses. A recurring theme is his angering, letting down, and driving away people in his personal and professional life, despite his constant search for the perfect partners in all areas of life or to use his blanket term, the perfect band. Michael never apologized about anything, at any time, under any circumstance, as far as I know, whatsoever. Why was he so difficult in his interpersonal dealings? I have my thoughts, but I won't go there if I can help it. Nez wasn't big on psychological analysis and also thought astrology was nonsense. So I'll respect that, and not waste any time with my theories regarding his being an only child to a single mom, and I definitely won't go into the stubborn and ambitious natures often attributed to his sun sign of Capricorn. Back to what this is rather than what it is not. I am not a poet. I am not an artist. Mike's a contrary son of a bitch. I'd like to incorporate special guests to discuss Nez's songwriting and guitar playing. And speaking of outside sources, if anyone listening has any rare knowledge, insight, first-hand stories that you'd like to share, I invite you to email me at where's that sound coming from? at gmail.com. That's where's that sound coming from, all one word, and no apostrophe, at gmail.com. Not to discourage anyone from emailing me, but I'd be most interested in hearing about interactions or concert experiences that happened before Nez's big comeback in 2012. You know, back before meet and greets and VR 3D and 
the public sound checks and fan conventions. I'd love to hear first-hand accounts of the OG First National Band at the Troubadour in 1970, or Drury Lane in 1975 with the Fairport Convention Rhythm Section, or supporting Infinite Rider at the Whiskey or the Armadillo World Headquarters in 1979. I mean, I know his average audience in the 70s often struggled to crack triple digits, but there must be someone out there. Anyway, as the show finds its groove, there will likely be guest commentators. There will definitely be some first-hand quotes from my past interviews with John Ware, David McKay, and Nez himself. There will be relevant sound bites from the many interviews out there from throughout Nez's career. And if your brain is starting to hurt already, let me give you some relief by saying that, as opposed to the old Where's That Sound coming from, whose episodes sometimes exceeded the two-hour mark, I aim to keep each episode of Questions But No Answers around the 30-minute mark. Tight, not rambly. I'm getting all the rambling out of the way in this here intro. I mean, if I have at least 60 episodes planned, they gotta be sitcom length, not feature film length. Oh, and I'd love to reserve an episode for Nez's production work in the 60s and 70s. The Corvettes, the Penny Arcade, Burt Yanch, Ian Matthews, Bill Chadwick, and even Chili Willy and the Red Hot Peppers. About the name, why questions but no answers? Well, besides being catchy, if you're a fan of Nez's work, then you already know that that's a key phrase in the monkey's psychedelic gem from 1967, Daily Nightly, which Nez wrote. And that's what I want the overall vibe to be. I don't profess to be any sort of expert. I don't covet anything approaching that mantle. Simply call me a geek and or a superfan. But I want to explore ideas and make connections without necessarily arriving at anything absolute. I mean, it's music for the masses. I don't mind being labeled a Nez head, but I'm no gatekeeper. Screw that. I worked at Video Ranch for a short time and sadly watched as casual, curious fans who wanted to check out that scene would get driven away by unpleasant exclusivity and discussions that offered no place for someone who just wanted to talk about the bridge in Mama Nantucket or the bass part in Casablanca Moonlight. And that's the last I'll say about that. Well, okay, just a bit more regarding that part of my resume. When he hired me, Nez, who dug my old blog, asked that I bring my freewheeling, connect-the-dot style with me and attract like-minded folks to Video Ranch. I did my best, but it ended up going against what some felt the official Michael Nesmith website should represent. Both Nez and I were heartbroken to see that in reality, for reasons I won't get into, his plan for my role at Video Ranch wasn't going to work, and so I went on my way without making much of a difference. That was about five or six years ago, and in the interim, I've lived life and embarked on other ventures, but I've always had a nagging feeling that there was no closure. Nez dug what I had to say about his and others' musical work, and after I left Video Ranch, he urged me to keep coming up with ideas to present to him, even if they weren't in any official capacity. Well, nothing was allowed to materialize, though I did have an amazing two-hour conversation with him about the prison, which strayed into a couple dozen other areas. You can listen to much of that conversation here on the Where's That Sound Coming From page, but contact was lost shortly after that interview, and I admit that I soon found myself actively avoiding listening to any monkeys or Nesmith for a year or two. I had a bad and sad taste in my mouth and was frankly a little weirded out by my brief time inside the bubble. 
I realize that I'm happiest as a fan when I can be as fawning and or as critical as I please. I attended the final Mike and Mickey show at the Greek Theater on November 14th, 2021. He was too weak to play any guitar on that tour, and while singing, his sense of rhythm was inconsistent and he relied on his buddy Mickey to cue and guide him if he got lost. And yet, his joy was obvious and very, very real. And while we all told ourselves that he was getting stronger and that he'd bounce back from whatever was ailing him, his eyes were communicating something other than the wisdom, confidence, and strength that he had always exuded while performing, and which I had always noticed, be it on my TV in the 80s, or up close at the several Monkees and First National Band Redux shows that I'd caught since his return to touring in 2012. I don't enjoy thinking about that final show for too long a time, and have pointedly avoided any YouTube clips. But I know that I'm fortunate to have been there, and I cherish the memory. The most unbelievably beautiful and sad aspect that I remember choking up over and realizing it as it was happening was that, despite his obvious frailness, that this was Michael Nesmith's voice, still strong, pitch perfect, and fuller of emotion than ever before, that was echoing around the canyons and hills of Hollywood on that night. The same city that he drove to from Texas with his pregnant wife in 1965 to try and make it big in music. And here he was, his final public appearance, his final public statement, his final public words, both spoken and sung. Not to mention the sound of the massive, adoring applause of a house full of people who love him, traveling skyward on sound waves, now infinite in time and space. What a perfect way to go out. And out of this mortal plane he indeed did go, less than a month later, on December 10th, 2021. Now that Nez is around in spirit only, and lately, as I've been doing some deep listening in preparation for this series, his energy is much more a source of comfort than sadness. I can think of no better way to honor and celebrate the man's boundless, if, as I said at the top, often unrecognized and or misunderstood creativity, than to embark on this major project, this podcast series. Questions but no answers. I have the basic plan, but how exactly the lines will be filled in isn't completely known to me yet. It will evolve as we go. Or, to quote the man himself, I want ideas to unfold in perfect array, only hinting at what lay beyond them. Perhaps I'll just end up preaching to the relatively small choir that is Nez's hardcore fan base. But, ideally, I'd love to turn on an untapped demographic that had no idea that what their life was lacking was Nez's music. But that all remains to be seen. All right, I think I've said enough. I'll see you real soon for episode one. Take good care of yourself and your loved ones. Talk to you soon.